Good morning. So I'm, uh, my name is Mike, and I'm the, the campus pastor here in Brigham. And um, it was really neat to do that, that blessing this morning. It's always, it's always uh, a great thing. We came out of that parenting series over the last couple of weeks talking about our role and our responsibility as parents and uh, to, to raise kids um, in, a, in a way that, that points them to uh, a life with God, a relationship with God. It's really, really important. And so that was really cool to be able to be a part of, of a family demonstrating that. Um, so today, we're starting this new series called In Case You Missed It. Now, tell you what, before we do that, let's, let's pray, right? Let me, let's just do that. Lord, I just want to I, I, I start off by talking to you, because what's the point if we're not getting closer to you? Lord, and so I just, I, I, I am so uh, honored to be able to be here, being able to talk to my friends and family about you, Lord. So I just ask that, that this message, um, that, that you work through my stuttering and my stammering and, and anything like that to deliver a message that, that resonates in the hearts in this room today, Lord, because I really believe that this is an important message and and uh, we know that, that you believe so too because you emphasize this message continuously. So Lord, just let this resonate, let this, let this click with people um, as we sort through this sort of confusing topic and, and get to the point of the gospel. Lord, we love you. And we say this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so like I said, we're, we're starting this sermon series called In Case You Missed It. And the idea here is we're gonna take a, a closer look at some uh, obscure stories from the Old Testament during this, during this series. Maybe some things that, you know, you read through and maybe you didn't even know what the context was for it or what they were talking about because it's a different culture and different time and, and that sort of thing. And today's message specifically is the snake on a pole, right? That's kind of, a, kind of an obscure one. This is one of those ones that maybe, you've, maybe you have overlooked um, as you've read through the Bible or as you were raised in church or whatever. Maybe you, maybe you read it and, and you thought that it was kind of weird, so maybe you didn't spend a whole lot of time on it, and that's okay too. Um, but this whole thing, this whole series, today's message in particular, but this whole series proves that God had a simple plan for saving humanity uh, all along. So we're gonna talk about the snake on a pole. Now the snake on a pole, um, Kind of looks like this. This is a, a pin that my, my buddy gave me. My buddy Shane uh, gave to Daniel. Um, and my, my buddy Shane was a, uh, he was a combat medic in, in the army attached to a special forces group. And to get this combat medic badge, uh, you, have to, you have to treat uh, casualties while under direct fire from the enemy. So that was a pretty significant thing. For, so when he gave this to my son, I was looking at it and it was it was really neat. And I asked him, I'm like, "Hey, what's the what's the symbolism here behind this? What's what's the story here?" Because I wanted to know. And he's like, "Well, that's the story of Jesus." And I was like, "Whatever, dude. Come on, don't don't disrespect Jesus here. Tell me what what it really is." And he's like, "No, seriously, that's the story of Jesus." And he's like, "You can go look and you know look in the Bible and and you'll you'll see this." And and uh, so we chased it down and he pieced it together for me. This was a few years ago, and I, and I, I was like, wow, I had, I had never seen this. I had never understood this. And, uh, but it's, it's really interesting, this story uh, that we'll go through today, connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. In fact, 
as you read through it, all of the Bible is interconnected and, and all of it points to Jesus. So many of you might be familiar with this verse that, that Daniel just read. Um, John 3.16, you see this on, on the, the, the eye black under, under players, you know, in professional sports, they'll, they'll write that. Or people will hold signs up that say John 3.16, right? How many, anybody here have that memorized, that verse, John 3.16? A few people, right? It's pretty, it's, it's, it's pretty common. It's probably the most popular, um, most famous, most memorized verse in the whole Bible. And really for good reason, because it gets right to the point. Like this is... This is a critical and crucial message. This is the message of the gospel. But I wonder how many of you guys that, that raised your hands that you have that memorized, how many of you have the, the two verses immediately before it memorized? John 3, 14 and 15. Anybody have that? Does, does anybody even know what that is? What that, okay. Well, good. Then, then we're all in good company here, right? Um, so... Leading up to John 3.16, Jesus, so Jesus is in a conversation with Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was one of the Pharisees. Um, if you don't know what the Pharisees are, they were the, the religious leaders of the time, right? And he's having this conversation with, uh, with Nicodemus, and it says that, that Nicodemus had, had gone to Jesus in the dark of night. Now, that's not a throwaway thing. That means that he probably snuck out to go have this conversation with Jesus because he was, he was avoiding, uh, you know, criticism from the other Pharisees and, and, you know, that sort of thing too. And, and it just shows that Nicodemus had a genuine desire to find out how somebody uh, could enter the kingdom of God. He really wanted to know. So he goes straight to, to Jesus to ask. And right before that famous uh, verse number 16, it's, it's actually John 3, 14 and 15. It says, and, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So <clears throat> in this conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus, he's painting a picture of salvation through the cross, okay? Um, he's, he's, he's painting that picture by referencing this story uh, uh, that was about Moses and God's instruction for him uh, and this serpent on a pole. So we're gonna get back to that story. Let's go to that story in the book of Numbers and then we'll come back to this, this, uh, this conversation with Nicodemus. <clears throat> Excuse me. So in Numbers 21, four through five, it says, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. We, uh, and we hate this horrible manna. So now the context of this is the Israelites are, are you know, they're, they're wandering in the, in the wilderness. And, and just before this, the Israelites are praying to God to give them victory against the Canaanites, this, this impossible victory against the Canaanites. And God delivers this victory and they wipe out the, the Canaanites. That has happened just immediately previous to this. And then all of a sudden they're wandering through the wilderness and they start complaining, right? Now, parents, you might be able to sort of relate to this you're laughing. I know you can, right? You, some parents, you, you can relate to this idea when, when you do something amazing for your kids and then they kind of, then they complain about something that's, you know, like 
uh, I'll just tell you, um, I've got this, this old Bronco, Megan and I uh, have, we've, we're giving it to our son. It'll be his to drive when he turns 16. Um, you know, it's been a project for us for a while. We've been putting some money and some work into it. And, uh, and recently we had it painted. It was, it was kind of an oxidized red. It was really more of a like three different colors of pink from the sun. And so we painted it black, looked cool. And uh, we brought it home and showed it to our son. And he walks out and he's like, oh, I wanted it red, you know, and, and complained if we just drop some bank on this. And I was mad. Like I was, I, my feelings were hurt because I had just gone and done something amazing for him, right? If you take the picture of his vehicle versus the first car I drove, Night and day difference, you know? So I was like, I was proud to give this to him and, and I, the attitude uh, that I got back, it was hurtful and it, and it bothered me, right? And, and that's kind of what the, the Israelites are doing here. They're grumbling even after this amazing thing has just happened to them and they're, and they're grumbling because there's nothing to eat. I mean, he's given them all of this manna to eat. So they're not starving and yet they're complaining because it tastes like styrofoam or something like that, I don't know. I've not, I haven't had manna for a while. Um, so this is, this is just the latest of several apostasies that the Israelites have committed, where they have abandoned their belief, their beliefs, okay? Now, this is, this is because of the sin in their lives. And this is an important thing. We need to talk about sin for just a second because I think maybe all too often we stand up here and we, and we reference sin, but, but when we do that, maybe, maybe people don't necessarily understand what sin is, all right? So sin, sin is trusting and acting on your own opinions and feelings rather than trusting and acting on God's truth. Now, that, I mean, we're the same as that, right? We're the same as the Israelites. That, that's the story about the Israelites, what they're doing. But that's our story too, right? That's my story. I am a, I'm a sinful person, right? And, and with God in my life, that sin gets less and less, and I try and move away from that more and more all the time, but it still exists in my life, okay? <clears throat> and this is, this is the same as uh, for all of us. And the Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So this is, it's, it's important for us to understand that that reference is, is for every single person in this room, every single person in this community, Right? Every person on earth. Well, so continuing with that story in Numbers, it says, So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. So God, because of all of this grumbling, God responds to that grumbling and that complaining and, and the, the moaning and groaning, and he sends these poisonous snakes. And the Israelites, they, they recognize their sin again. Now, if you read through this, through this you know, through the Old Testament, you'll see that, that the Israelites did this a lot, right? This was, this was kind of their thing. They, God blesses them, then they forget, and they start to complain, or they start to, to act out, they, they you know, they stop worshiping God. They stop living uh, for God, and and He reminds them. And then they they uh, they ask for forgiveness and they repent. And God blesses them. And that's what's the cycle that's going on here as well, right? This is what's been happening. So as we continue in verse eight, 
It says, then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake. He's talking to Moses here. Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Well, so, you know, God is giving them very, very clear instructions here, right? Like, so, you know, when you've bought that that piece of, furniture, the, the particle board furniture, and you're, you're putting it together, and it's got all the instructions that, Jason, I know you don't look at the instru- or read the instructions. You look at the picture. But for, if you did read the instructions, they'd be, <laughs> they'd be really simple here. It says, it says, step one, build the snake on a pole. Step two, look at it. Like, that's what he says. This is how you get, you know, saved from your, from your snake bite, right? These are very, very simple steps. But let's keep in mind that it was also faith. It it wasn't also faith. It was faith that he was talking about here. So let's keep this in mind as we jump uh, to our first point here, which is even though they were simple, God's instructions to Moses were confusing for two reasons to them, okay? Snakes were bad, and so were idols. But remember, it took... It took uh, simple faith for the Israelites to obey and be healed, but it's confusing because uh, because of these two these two points, right? Snakes snakes are bad. Now, snakes themselves uh, aren't evil, but they are known as a symbol for evil. Because if we if we look back to uh, the Garden of Eden, right, that's the first time that we see a serpent, um, and and it's Satan who has taken the the form of a serpent. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, and and you know speaks to Eve there. So snakes represent sin, right? That's important for us to know that they are a representation of sin. The Israelites know this, and so certainly to them, this would be a confusing thing to be told that that they're supposed to make this this snake and then look at it. This would be co- confusing, right? So they're they're probably asking why this, why. Why a snake as the symbol for the cure to our snake bite? Well, the second thing that's so confusing is that when you read this, it seems as though God is asking them to make an idol. <clears throat> but let's remember that the, the Ten Commandments are still fresh, right? At, at this point, this is, this is still, um, they're, they're still well aware of the Ten Commandments that, that God gave Moses. And the second commandment says, have no other gods before me. And then it goes on to say, don't make idols. So why make a graven image of a snake here? Like, it's okay, guys. There's no shame in, having, in being confused here and, and going, how are we, we going to link these two? Because there is some confusion here, but, but let's get right to the point. And that is <clears throat> that God wanted the Israelites to practice faith and obedience. That's what he's after here. Okay, that's the lesson that he's, he's trying to teach them about faith. See, it wasn't the bronze snake that healed them. It was their looking at the bronze snake in obedience to God. Okay, that's where the confusion happens. It was, their, it was simply obeying God and looking at the snake, not the snake itself. And, and, you know, that brings us to our second point, which is the bronze snake foreshadowed God's plan for saving humanity. Jesus became sin for those bitten by sin. 
so that we would be rescued by looking to his death on the cross. See, the bronze snake is a foreshadowing of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's a type of Christ. If you guys remember, uh, for those of you that were, that were um, here for, in the spring, we had a sermon series called Jesus in Genesis. So if you were here, we talked about um, a type of Christ, and it's a, it's a, it's a foreshadowing. Um, uh, it's a foreshadowing or a, a hint of what's to come. And that's what that, that's what that uh, sermon series was about, but this is another good example of that. Um, and we found out in that sermon series that, that Jesus is woven throughout God's word. The message of Jesus and the message of the cross is woven throughout God's word. But we have to be able to dig into it in order to, to be able to see that. So, when we look at John, uh, at John 3, verses 14, 15, and 16, we see here that, that Jesus is connecting the dots between the, the events that happened in the Old Testament and what he's talking about here in the New Testament. See, this was a picture way back in Numbers. This was a picture of the gospel. This, this thing that Moses didn't even understand it at the time necessarily, but this, this thing that he, was, that he was asked to give to the people was a picture of the cross. Jesus God is preparing them for what would come. That this would be a picture of of God saving humanity. <clears throat> but still, the question that still still exists: Why an image of something evil? Right? Like why the snake? So let me jump to Second Corinthians five twenty one, and it says, "For God made Christ, who never sinned, to become sin itself, so that we could be made right." with God through Christ. God made Jesus who never sinned to become sin itself so that we could be made right with, with God through Christ. When, when Moses made that bronze snake, he didn't have any idea the impact that that would have uh, on all of humanity, not just the Israelites. The idea that a, that a graven image of the very symbol of sin and the symbol of death would somehow save them seemed crazy. It was crazy, okay? It's, it, it sounded like foolishness to them. And this is difficult for a lot of people to comprehend. Like, why would God have to do it this way? Why did Jesus on the cross have to become sin to save us? Well, 1 Corinthians 1.21 says, Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. In other words, he's saying the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. So I guarantee that, that some some Israelites in the number story thought that this was ridiculous. They didn't want to believe that, and they died. And maybe there's some, some folks here today who hear this message and, and think that this is crazy. Maybe you think that, that this, is, this is too easy. I can't believe that this is, is God's plan, but it is. Now, 
this was this was a shocker uh, even to um, even to the disciples, right? Remember the Apostle Paul, he couldn't believe this. In in Matthew chapter sixteen, it tells us that that Jesus was was talking to the disciples. He was preparing them. And, uh, and he's telling them he has to be tortured and, and killed. And Peter, it says Peter that pulled, him, pulled Jesus aside and reprimanded him for, giving such, for sharing such an idea. And then, and then Jesus rebukes Peter and makes it very, very clear that God's ways are beyond our understanding and that we must trust and have faith because that's the important part. Remember, it wasn't about the snake. It was about the trusting Jesus. It was about trusting God. It wasn't about the cross. It was about trusting Jesus. So some people call this blind faith or even dumb faith. But in reality, guys, God has been faithful over and over again. He is a God of promises, of, of fulfilled promises. He was for the Israelites and he has been for us as well. Having faith is a simple act, but it isn't blind uh, and it certainly isn't when God has been so faithful to us. But our third point is this. Later in history, we have to remember this. Later in history, the snake on a pole became an idol for the people of Israel. And this is a reminder that God's message can get corrupted in future gen- generations. So we need to make sure that we understand this, that we pour into this and we get the meaning behind it, that we don't mistake the, the action in there for, for what God wants us to, uh, to really understand. In 2 Kings 18.4, it says, Hezekiah removed the pagan shrines, smashed the sacred pillars, and cut down the Asherah poles. He broke up the bronze serpent that Moses had made because the people of Israel had been offering sacrifices to it. So this is some years later, and we see uh, uh, this reference to that bronze serpent again that the Israelites had gone and turned the snake into an idol. The people of God were once again missing the point. And the point is, God's original plan for the serpent on the pole was for salvation and for protection, uh, for protection and living through their faith, right? Through their faith, not because the snake existed, but through their obedience to God in doing something that they thought might be crazy, but in trusting him and doing what he said. So what does this remind you of? <clears throat> For me, I, I, I kind of think that maybe, um, you know, Christians who wear crosses, but uh, they forget to worship the God behind the cross. Or how about, how about Christians who make a point about going to church, but they forget, or let's be honest here, maybe they refuse to put God first, have faith, and obey God and live out the life that he calls us to do. I have been guilty of that. See, guys, we make this about us. We make this about us and not about, not about God. We take our eyes off the subject and we make it about the object. And this is a reminder for us not to forget. It's a call to remember the simple message of the gospel not making religion just a thing that we do, church just a thing we go to, um, but, but, but making our faith, instead making that a lifestyle, right? This, this new path that we are intentionally taking 
where we stop going our own way. Remember that, that definition of sin that I shared just a little bit ago, where we stop going our own way. We stop trusting and acting on our feelings and our own opinions, but instead we act on God's truth, right? One where, I, I forgot to throw the slide up in here, but if you guys are familiar with the going full circle uh, emblem or logo that we have on a lot of our stuff at, at Alpine Church, the re, what that is, is a representation of is exactly this, that we want to, we start by responding to the message of the gospel, right? We trust Jesus first and foremost, that's the most important thing. Second, we live to honor God. We reshift our priorities. Guys, this is where our life changes. We stop holding on to that old sinful life that, that we've done for so long that's encapsulated everything about us. And we let and all of a sudden we we allow this change to happen because we want to live to honor God. We want to live to be like Jesus. And then the third step is that we help someone else on their journey. Oftentimes, you guys will hear us talking about uh, mentoring or discipleship or joining a small group. Today, you know, we've got this, this small group rally out here um, that, that Tim talked about. He, he called it a tailgate party, right? I mean, Beastie Boys fought for our right to party, right? So we got to remember that. I, I can't believe I brought Beastie Boys up in a gospel message. <laughs> But this is how we're going to go about starting this today. Guys, we start, we start by trusting Jesus. I want everybody to, to, to really consider this. Right? If you're not in a, in a position yet where you've put your trust in Jesus, listen to me for a couple minutes here. We lose a slide. There we go. That's the one I want. Do you recognize that you've been bitten by sin? And will you look to Jesus alone for salvation? See, Jesus used this imagery to teach that he will be lifted up on a cross as a cure for people's sins. Ultimately, guys, it's faith in him alone that gives eternal life to those who are doomed to die because of that sin. So maybe this is something new to you. Maybe you've never heard this. Or maybe you have heard this. Maybe it's not necessarily new, but you're still having a hard time believing that this is the way. So I just want to say it again. It was God's deliberate choice and purpose to crucify Jesus on that cross. It was no accident. It wasn't the martyrdom of of some good religious teacher. He died as an act of God. His death was necessary for our salvation. It doesn't come through some magical formula. It comes by simple faith. Looking up on that cross and believing that Jesus died in your place. There's no other way to salvation. In Acts it says, there, there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name 
that you can call upon to be saved. No other person in this world will give you a right relationship with God. So guys, I'm asking you this. If you are ready to make that profession of faith, to admit your sin, to understand that that sin, that that sin in your life separates you from God and that only through his choice to deliver Jesus up as a perfect sacrifice on that cross and through your choice to believe in him can you be reconciled. It's the only way you can be reconciled with him for eternity. If that's the case, if you're ready to make that profession of faith, guys, then I ask you to pray along with me today. Lord God, we are sinners. Lord, I am a sinner. I was born that way. I had that in my nature. From the onset, Lord, as, as, as hard as it is for sometimes us to believe, to understand as humans, at the moment I was born, I was sullied by my sin nature and I was separated from you. And Lord, that separation, I understand that separation was going to keep me permanently separated from you for eternity. Nothing that I could do was going to change that. Nothing that I could do for my community, no service, no, no kind acts, no, no, no loving words, no heroic actions, nothing like that was going to do anything to change my eternity. But Lord, you, you loved me so much that you didn't want to be separated from me anymore. And Lord, you sent your son who knew no sin. You sent him intentionally to be lifted up on that cross for my sins. Lord, I love you for that. And I accept that gift with all of my heart. I accept that. And Lord, I just ask that anybody else in this room that has never made that profession, that they pray that with me right now, Lord, that they are genuine in, in, in crying out to you with their hearts. Lord, that they understand that they are sinners, that they are separated from you, and that only through your blood spilled on the cross and their accepting of it can they be reunited with you and Lord, I ask that you help all of us that do that to, to be rejuvenated, to be regenerated in our hearts, to be new people. Not to continue on that same sinful path that we've always been on, but Lord, to completely give our lives over to you. Every moment, every thought, every dollar, everything that we would put in front of you, Lord, I want to move all of those out and put you in the number one spot. And I ask that, that you help everybody else in this room to do the same thing. Lord, but most of all, be glorified through our lives, through the changing of our heart. Let, let people see that we are something completely different now than we used to be. And be glorified in that change. Lord, because ultimately that's what we want. We love you, Lord. We thank you so much for the gift of your son. Lord, be glorified in this, in this group of believers here and in, in 
new hearts that have been given to you today and the new hearts that will be given to you uh, tomorrow and next week and next month. Lord, we love you. We say this in Jesus' name. Amen.